at the end of the day, we are the myth. We all come from that. That's the stories of our ancestors. After thousands of years, we are still them. And <laughs> we are still learning exactly the same lessons. They transcend race, culture, time, space, gender. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we're also surprised how we are still learning the same lessons after thousands of years. It seems like we haven't really mastered them yet. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Hey everybody, I'm sure you know how important it is to help your body properly detoxify. My goodness, if we really looked at how many toxins we are exposed to, toxins in the air, toxins inside homes, mold, furnishings, as well as food sources, all these things that our bodies are dealing with, we gotta help it out. Energy Bits Algae Tabs are nutrition powerhouses that are great not only for detoxification, but also for energy and for beauty. I love Energy Bits because they have only one ingredient, algae, which is a superfood. They're 100% natural. They're also vegan, super high in antioxidants, high in omega-3 fatty acids, which can help with brain function, moods, reduce inflammation and muscle soreness. And this is great for people who don't like to eat a lot of vegetables. I mean, this is like a superfood. I can't emphasize enough. This is why I have it on my website. You can use my coupon code, AmyF, at checkout, and you can save a whopping 20%. Please try them. Let me know what you think. I promise you won't be disappointed. Hey, everybody. I want to share with you the newest item I added to my website e-store. Modern Om is a company that gets it. They make ancient tools for modern living. One of the things I love from Modern Om is their Shungite. Have you heard about Shungite? Okay, this is the new rage in the world of crystals because I'm sure you are aware of the effects of electromagnetic radiation human-made radiation, artificial radiation. You know your body's a battery. It's electric, okay? And all these things are affecting our biorhythms and our energy and our ability to sleep and think clearly, whether you have brain fog or not. We want to protect ourselves in the way that we can. One of the ways you can do that is by using shungite crystals because it can protect you from harmful electromagnetic frequencies. It can help boost your energy relieve stress, detoxify your body and mind, and increase physical and mental balance. So the only place that I get Shungite right now is from Modern Om. They have gorgeous jewelry. They're responsibly sourced. Please check out Modern Om. The link is on my website, eStore. Have fun shopping. I know I did. I always have to pull it back because I pretty much want everything. Okay, everybody, now let's get to the show. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. 
Today, I have a fascinating discussion with Latao Wang. Latao is a spiritual counselor as well as astrologer and tarot specialist. We take a nice deep dive, which is just the way I like it, into working with oracles, the tarot, and understanding mythology and how we can apply it to our everyday life. We go into detail about a couple very popular uh, myths that you've probably heard of, if, particularly if you've been listening to my show, because we get into a couple of my favorites. Helen of Troy, you know, the, the famous, most beautiful woman in the world that was said to have launched a thousand ships. Yep, that Helen. And we talk about Atalanta. Have you heard of Atalanta before? Well, She's someone you might want to hear about because it's a very, very interesting story. And we get into why myths might be able to help us in the modern day and age. What are they anyway? And how can we apply their timeless classic wisdom to our everyday lives that it benefits us in some way? The Tao was a very interesting individual. He was named Spiritual Guide of the Year in 2020 by the Hong Kong Living Magazine. He also writes a column on astrology for Hong Kong Magazine, and he's a member of the Hong Kong Society for Counseling and Psychology, and he has two masters, one in counseling and another in translating and interpreting Chinese and English. This guy is so interesting, and I love how deep he is on the knowledge of all these ancient myths. We talk about the link between astrology and myths, the role of religion and gods and goddesses and kind of coming to terms with ourselves when we're dealing with myths and looking at oracles and tarot decks. Do you get kind of guilty and freaked out like maybe you're doing something wrong or like devil worship? Well, we talk about that. Latau gives his tips on how to use oracle decks effectively. And we talk about feminine power in general and tapping into our own unique gifts and how that's really how we have the juice, the magic and power behind our lives. And Latau shares with us Orpheus, the wounded healer, and how it's important to trust our intuition as well as some tips to do that. So I know you're going to love this show. It's such an interesting conversation. If you're interested in this type of topic, some of the other episodes of Awakening Aphrodite you might want to check out include episode 27, which is a classic which with the one and only James Wanless, Dr. Wanless. We talk about is the tarot devil worship. I love that episode. James is uh, just a hot ticket. He is such a character and you're going to learn a lot. Episode 27. And the three episodes we have with astrologer extraordinaire, my personal astrologer and one of my favorite mentors, Marilyn Dumont. She came on the show three times. If you're interested in astrology and this type of thing, you might want to check out episodes 54, 77, and 199. Let's now join my guest, spiritual counselor, astrologer, and tarot specialist, Latao Wang. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. The show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. 
Today, my guest is Latao Wang, who is located in Hong Kong at a god-awful O-Dark 30 time in the morning. Thank you, Latao, for joining the show. Hello, Amy. Thank you so much for having me today. My goodness, God bless you for getting up so early. I I kind of apologize that I didn't realize when we scheduled it, it was going to be so crazy. But uh, how are you today? Are you are you still sleepy or are you awake? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm all ready. I'm very excited about you know uh, about this uh, this podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Wonderful. I am so thrilled to share this absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous oracle book that you have created. And this is just right up my alley, my friend. I mean, you have blended Greek mythology, basically all mythology, ancient mythology with astrology. I mean, what a brilliant, brilliant thing to do. Can you tell us how you came to this this beautiful creation? Did you just kind of get an epiphany, a download? I mean, how did this come about? Right. So, uh, um, my, uh, so my journey, right, to create this Oracle deck, we have to go back to probably years ago when I started my training as an astrologer. Because my my first astrology teacher was a you know a different kind. Yeah, you know most astrology courses you will study, they will start talking about, for example, you know the basic knowledges about planets and the you know the stars. Uh, but my teacher started with Greek mythology. As we all know, the name of the planets, Venus, Mars, all these names, they derive from ancient Roman myth. Um, they, they are the same name, right, with the gods. And so my really my first understanding about astrology was actually from the stories. And that's when I started really reading Greek and Roman mythology. And I would say that's really the, that was a starting point. And of course, throughout my study journey, right, I encountered a lot of different authors and the teachers who taught me a lot of things uh, about Greek mythology. For example, one of the teachers that I really admire, you can also find his endorsement on the back of the, uh, the box. His name is uh, Mr. Gao Sasson, and I've learned a lot from him. And throughout the years, you know, we have been emailing back and forth, and I gained a lot of inspiration about learning the the, the ancient stories and the myth. And I, that's how I realized, you know, the, the the very intricate correlation between astrology and mythology. And I really think that through learning mythology, we'll be able to reach a much deeper level, yeah, and in our understanding about astrology and also psychology. So can you explain to us kind of like a 101 foundational level of what is the connection between astrology and myths? Mm. Well, let's use, for example, our podcast is called Awaken Aphrodite, right? And so the uh, the Roman god, the counterpart um, in Roman myth of Aphrodite is Venus, the goddess of beauty, the goddess of love. Um, and in astrology, she also rules similar things. Uh, for example, she rules our sense of beauty. She rules um, how we love ourselves and how we love um, the world around us. And also, more interesting, she rules our sense of value. Now, what we deem important in our life. And uh, this is what we learn about astrology, um, and Venus in astrology. And in, uh, let's say, in mythology, when we study important stories, we will learn about her is uh, her, you know, passion, passionate love, uh, love affair with Aries um, or with Mars, right? The, uh, the, the Roman god of war. 
And we also learn about her in the story, Eros and Psyche, because she, uh, Venus is actually the, the mother uh, of Eros, right? Mm -hmm. And how she gave the tasks to Psyche um, so that eventually they can have a union, a marriage together. And so this is what I feel about um, how we can, deep, for example, deepen our understanding um, about the planet Venus. When we read through those stories and we understand who she is and what she's looking for and what she wants us to, to be. And uh, this is what I find interesting about them. Yeah. Now, where, where would someone who's listening to this that maybe grew up religious right. come in to understand? So we're talking about goddesses and gods and, um, you know, they think, oh, there's only one God, you know, we're not supposed to worship other gods or goddesses. Like, so for me to understand someone like, like an Aphrodite, right? Like, I yeah, feel yeah. like this is wrong or, you know, just, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> At the end of the day, what we are doing is not uh, God worshiping. Of course, you know, there might be just a little part of us wanting to worship our the so-called our God right, or our goddesses anyway. Um, but I think the most important thing is about learning those archetypes. Once we see those uh, planets um, as idols or as gods, then, of course, that becomes a little bit more complicated then we would have um, all these concerns about, you know, am I allowed to worship her or him? Uh, am I allowed to, uh, you know, because I already believe in, um, let's say, a, you know, the God in my own religion, right? I'm not, not allowed to worship other gods. But sometimes we might just need to see them as uh, different archetypes. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, a little child watching, I don't know, a Superman <laughs> movie, right? Yeah or Batman, right? And so it's a little bit like finding our inner hero or, or yes. you know, our, you know, someone to look up to, let's put it this way, right? Mm -hmm. And what we learn from those stories rather than doing the so-called worshiping per se. Yeah. So I think that's, there's a huge difference between them. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Latao, is that, you know, these are, we're talking about archetypes. And if we believe that God is all, God created everything, God, goddess, right? The feminine, masculine, ultimate source created everything. That means everything there is was created by God, goddess. And that includes all of these concepts of gods, goddesses. And these are just extensions or, uh, or thought forms that are, are existent within ourselves. Because if everything is everything, then everything is everything. And that means that is included within us. So we're just talking about aspects of ourselves that we can tap into. And that's what I've learned about archetypes is, is they, they increase your awareness as to maybe dormant qualities or abilities or, or, or you know, um, attributes of yourself that you can tap into at certain times. So like for me, I named the show Awakening Aphrodite because... It was a period in my life where I was way in my left brain, over-masculinized with trying to, you know, be ambitious and work and, you know, really push myself and really disassociated with my body and pleasure and enjoying life. And yeah, absolutely. It, the irony is it probably did tie into self-love, which I learned Aphrodite. Everyone thinks Aphrodite, you know, kind of a superficial vein, the goddess of beauty, but no, it's self-love. Self-love. You can't really truly love. We've all heard that expression. 
someone else unless you love yourself, right? So for me, tapping into Aphrodite, awakening Aphrodite has been about bringing out those aspects within myself through her, this archetype of a goddess, not that I'm worshiping a a false idol, you know? So just kind of working through that religious piece, because I do know a lot of listeners, you know, are, you know, in the Western, you know, the prevalence of Christianity, it can be a, even a subconscious sticking point for some people, you know, like, okay, they might be on board with it or think it's kind of cool when they hear about heroes or heroines and, you know, gods and goddesses, but they feel a little bit conflicted. Like, Ooh, I don't know if I really want to get into this. Cause I feel like this guilt in the back of my head, you know, and like, I'm going to be damned to hell. Give me thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think, you know, archetypes actually really, right, they exist everywhere. Even when we talk about, let's say, religious studies, right? What we're really studying is actually archetypes. That's at least, you know, what I believe in. So for example, you know, when we study tarot, right? Um, yeah. Of course, you know, uh, there are, you know, 78 cards there, the major arcana and the minor arcana. And some of the cards are actually really about, they're related to religion, uh, but they're just archetypes. Like one of the examples I can give is, for example, um, there's a card called Eight of Cups uh, oh. in the minor arcana. And that card, usually I see that, right? So if you look at that card, it's a it's a man wearing a red cape and he's yeah. walking away from uh, the eight cups behind him, right? You're, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with that yeah, card. Yeah, sure. So my client would ask me, what does that card mean? And I say, you know what? Sometimes I see this man on the card as uh, Moses. I said, I, you know, wow. the, the guy actually in the Old Testament and I, and my client would be like, okay, tell me more. And I said, hmm, you know, this is actually the moment where he realized what his mission is, what his calling is. And that is why he left his comfort. He left everything that he was familiar with and he decided to go to Egypt to save mm-hmm. the slaves. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, things like that. So even when we do either Bible study or whatever religion that, um, you know, we we, uh, we grew up with, let's say. It's about the archetypes that we see in there. And so there's nothing wrong with religious study or anything. And there's also nothing wrong with studying mythology. It's just whatever that you feel most comfortable connected with. Yeah. Great point, Latau, because what, what, what you're basically saying is we've got to like pull it back and remember that really it's about the symbolism. You know what I mean? We're talking about how everything is everything and to bring it back to how we can apply to our lives now for us to learn and love better. You know, like for your point, like, okay, if I pull the eight of cups, here I am incarnate as a woman, right? And okay, there's a man on the card, but that could be many ways to be interpreted. I have to look at it symbolically. And when we start to look at life symbolically, it just opens up so many more imaginative, mystical, magical doors and our creativity and kind of let spirit in, you know? So I would look at it like, okay, that's a man, but I'm a woman. Why did I get that card? What's this about? And it also teaches us how, like these Oracle decks, whether they be Tarot or your beautiful deck, is to pay attention, to stop and really pay attention to what's in front of you. Look at the detail. You look at that card. It's a man. I'm a woman. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it might be my masculine side of me today is going on a journey. His back is to the, the face of the card. He's walking away. So he's leaving. So he's like you said, he's leaving the comfort of the home 
So leaving something, the known to go on a journey. I never heard anyone say it could be Moses. You know, it's cool, but he has a staff for sure. And he's wearing a red cape. Red is the first chakra, you know, the symbol of his safety, his security, his tribe. So he's, he feels safe enough in his secure and in his being to go out on his own. The cups are behind him. I think there's water in the card. You know, it's like, so if we look at the symbolism, so that's the subconscious, right? So if we think of life and when we use Oracle decks, and I'd like to know what you think about your tips on how to use an Oracle deck, you know, my two cents would be, um, I love it, Latal, because it, like I said, it, it, it opens up that right brain. It's a right brain access tool, which Awakening Aphrodite, my audience and I are trying to do more of. How do we access the other half of our being that we don't access in the everyday life? So Oracle cards can do that through their use of symbolism. So any thoughts on that or tips to using these Oracle decks effectively? Right. So, you know, there are so many different types of Oracle cards on the market, right? What I When I created this deck, I really wanted this deck to be, uh, you know, I put a lot of effort into the, the guidebook writing, right? Because some of the cards you can see, uh, the guidebook is very thin and maybe the author wants you to rely more on the images, right? And to just give you the freedom to to sense, you know, what's actually um, on the on the image. But for me, you know, from the beginning, I told my publisher, I said, I would love this um, book just, you know, at least I want it to be a little bit like my own rendition of Greek mythology, because I really want people to understand those stories. And from those stories, naturally, um, they will find the so-called guidance, where they will be able to connect those stories with their own past experience in order to have their own interpretation, right? Um, for example, each card has the, the keyword, right, on the card. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's it's just single dimensional as that, right? So for example, yeah, leadership with Theseus, right? The first card, first deck and the varies, yeah. So for different people, they might have different, yeah, they, they resonate differently with this word leadership, mm-hmm. um, right? So I, I really want them to, read the stories of Theseus and, you know, and also Bellerophon, you know, those stories and, and that relate to their own experience and how they want to interpret the card. And that is the reason why I think in the first chapter, right, I uh, specifically talked about how you should not, you know, follow the book too much, follow the teaching too much. You should learn the teaching, but also use your own imagination and your own intuition to tell you how the stories are related to you. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, how we can develop our intuition, because at least that's how I did. I studied and I started everything from um, stories. And that's how I developed my own um, ability to, to do readings for my clients. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that for us? Because that's this is beautiful. I, we love learning how to develop our intuition. So you, you develop your own intuition by studying the myths and then what, like, t- tell us exactly how. So I would say, for example, let's say during a reading session, right, with a client, sometimes you can just see literally the client is the character in the myth. Like, for example, I remember very clearly there was one time I had a client, she was just, just going through a lot of difficulties in her life. And she also had a difficult childhood. And the first card she pulled out, which, you know, usually the first card a client pull, uh, pulls out is 
um, let's say their general energy, right? What they they really need to understand about them. And she put out this character called Atlanta. I was going to ask you about her. Oh, excuse yeah. me. I was going to. Oh, awesome. she's like first thought, like number one thing we got to talk about. But please go ahead. She pulled out. Oh, Atlanta. great. Yeah. So. So and then she was telling me, you know, her life, and she said she was, for example, she grew up um in a family without a father. See, Atlanta、oh. was abandoned by her own father, so and the whole story started, you know, her father, you know, throwing her away, right? Because、yeah. she was a she was a woman, she was a girl. Her father wanted a son. Yeah, and so she and she felt her whole life. Um, so this client of mine, she felt her whole life she had to prove. To um, you know, the people around her that she was good enough. It's almost like she was living for the validation and the approval from other people, and that's how she finds the so-called her satisfaction, right, or how successful she is. But she never really was really fulfilled in that sense. You know, she worked really hard. She um, and she was really trying. You know, you can see, right? And she was a she was a doer, not a talker, but. She just felt that she was drained. She was tired,、um, but she didn't know what to do. And I, I was like, well, you know, it's it's so interesting that you put out this card. So I talked about the story of Atlanta. I said, you know, at the end, even though Atlanta was trying, you know, in the story, she was trying to be a male. Actually, you know, she,、uh, um, she remained her virginity. She swore to. Artemis, and she said, "I'll never let a man touch me because I want to be as strong as a man, right? Because being with a man would distract me, etc., etc." But at the end, when she finally reunited with her father, the first wish from her father was, "I'd like you to marry a guy, right? So finally, I can have a son-in-law because I've always wanted a son,、oh, no. right? So it's very ironic because all Atlanta wanted was to have her father acknowledge her as a man." But her father couldn't do that, even though they reunited. So through that story, what does a client learn from you know about her own life? You know her. Let's say this obsessive need to to have people validate her and you know give her the the approval. But what about her own acknowledgement? What about her own the so called self love, right? Yeah. And so that's what I mean by. Um, the learning mythology and developing our intuition, because at the end of the day, we are the myth. We are. We all come from that. That's the the stories of our ancestors. So after thousands of years, we are still them, and <laughs> we are still learning exactly the same lessons.、Um, yeah. Well, they they transcend race, culture, time, space, gender. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know sometimes we're also surprised how we are still learning the same lessons after thousands of years. It seems like we haven't really mastered them yet. Yeah, well, it's kind of the human the human journey, right?、Um, yeah. Well, could you just perhaps? I think this Atalanta is such a key one. Not to mention Aphrodite's involved with her myth, but. I know you just touched on it briefly, but could you possibly kind of just tell us, start to the beginning, expand on any details of Atalanta, like,、um, you know, how she was an unwanted princess, and you know, I think it's important for the discussion. Yes, I'm. First of all, I'm so、uh, glad that you actually picked this uh, this oh, uh, character in in Greek mythology. She's so fascinating, right? In Greek myths, because he's she's very complex, and I think that's the reason why. 
we love her. She's very multidimensional, right? She had a very tragic childhood because her father, as the king, didn't really want her the moment she was born. So she was abandoned by him, but later she was um, saved by um, a bear. In some myth, they say she, the bear was sent to her by the goddess of the moon, Artemis, right? Artemis, so, yeah. of course, because Artemis was the goddess of hunting and the moon, and she was fierce. <laughs> and so that's how, you know, what Atlanta learned, right, as a girl, right? She wanted to be Artemis. She wanted to be that fierce woman. But in her mind, she was always, always thinking that if I can become strong or stronger than a guy, maybe my father will take me back because he wants a guy, right? And if I can be better than a guy, then I will, I'll have my father's love. And we can see these kind of situation in people that sometimes we live our lives to earn our parents' validation. Maybe um, we never felt that we, we live up to their expectations. And... And I think this happened to to us more often than not, uh, consciously or subconsciously. Then finally, she achieved so many different things. And her father took her back. But the father said, well, you have to marry someone. And so he, yeah, which is ironic, right? And yeah. then, um, of course, she had a lot of suitors um, because she is a beautiful woman. Her only condition to marry a guy was to have a guy beat her in a foot race. Yeah, well, she devised a plan to get out of having to be married. Exactly, you know? so, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. she's so fast and she's so strong. Nobody can win against her in the yeah. food race. But eventually there was a guy whose name was Hippomenes. And he borrowed, he went to the, the goddess of love, Aphrodite. Because as you know, Aphrodite is the goddess of love. She wants people to be together and fall in love and, and have children. She actually didn't like that Artemis was so independent. Yeah, she didn't, right? Because, you know, the love and, you know, the sexual union, those mm -hmm. are the areas Aphrodite rules, right? So she said, okay, you want to be with her, I'm going to help you. So she gave him three golden apples. And she said, when you're competing with her in the foot race, whenever she gets ahead of you, just roll a golden apple and she will be distracted. And then that's the only way for you to, to win. And so with Aphrodite's help, Hippomenes actually won. And so Aphrodite had to marry him. Of course, the end, you know, the ending of the story is, so, you know, it's also a little bit tragic. It, it's totally tragic. The whole thing is tragic, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So Hippomenes actually misled her and they had sex in, uh, some people say in Zeus temple, some people say it's in Athena's temple. There mm -hmm. are also different versions of the myth. But, you know, of course, due to this uh, blasphemous uh, act, um, they were transformed into animals. And so they couldn't be together, um, you know, anymore as a um, uh, as a couple, right? And so this that's how the story uh, went. But I think that we went we learned so much from this story because Atlanta she was very complex. She wanted success. She wanted to achieve so many things. She wanted that validation from the society, right? In that type of very strict and traditional patriarchal society, um, that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a man, but at the end of the day, she was. She had to compromise and she was also in a way, you know, destroyed by, you know, the man that she married. And we, we can we can see the story from all different kind of, you know, uh, dimensions and we learn what's the lesson there. See, for example, one of the things that I feel about Atlanta was why did she need to earn that validation from her father? Was that really worth it? What if she just became 
a very uh, successful huntress just for herself instead of going to her father and say, now I'm better. Can you take me back? And I think that's probably the first mistake that she uh, she had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that, you know, you mentioned that to look at, we can look at myths and stories in many different dimensions and ways. And another way would be if we look at, if we even zoom out, like even a bigger lens and look at the masculine and feminine component of that myth in that basically Atlanta abandoned herself. Her whole thing was because she was abandoned by her father. But when she agreed to get married, so to stay in her father's good graces, she abandoned her own values and herself and her her desire to remain sovereign and independent unto herself. And so she abandoned the feminine in her, her values for the masculine external validation. That's another way we can look at it. And that's why Artemis was ticked off and punished her and turned them both into lions <laughs> after they had sex, right? I mean, it just, it's a, it's a very, you know, Latau, it's like myths are teaching stories, right? Isn't that the whole point of all of this? You know, yeah, they're entertaining, but this is why before we had TV and Netflix and all this, at night, we would gather around the campfire and talk and tell stories. And the, the wise elders would tell teaching stories to the younger ones. And this is how people learned and we evolved as a species by direct experience of sharing stories and knowledge. And that's what my- myths are about, right? Yeah. And I also think that the myths probably, you know, there, you know, who says there was no such person in the past anyway? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I do think that myth is, of course, is myth. It's our human imagination, but somehow there has to be some facts in there. And I remember very clearly um, the first time I traveled all the way to Greece to see, you know, where the myths, you know, <laughs> come from. I was on a tour to uh, to see the Temple of Poseidon. But that day was very funny because in Cape Sunion, but very funny because that day I was the only one showed up apart from the driver. Yeah. And so the driver, the, it's a local Greek guy, right? And they, so he was asking me, he said, um, you know, why, why Why are you here on your own? You know, what, what do you like? Because, you know, usually families, right? They, they travel to Greece, yeah. right? children, husband, wife, you know. But I was on my uh, on my own. And the driver said, you know, well, what do you like about Greece? Yeah. And I said, well, well, I like uh, Greek mythology. And uh, and he asked me this question, very interesting. He said, do you think myths are real? Do you think, you know, those stories mm-hmm. are actually real? Yeah, this is a question from a local you know, Greek mm-hmm. bus driver. And I said, I said, you know what, I'd love to believe they are real, right? Because, you know, that's how we learn things from those stories. Um, because there has yeah. to be some something related to our human experience. And and he actually said, I think that they are not 100% real, but probably 50% they are real. And sure. he said, for example, Hercules, right? He said, probably there was a, a guy who was extremely strong, Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, who overcame a lot of difficulties, right? He was worshipped um, by people as a as a god or the son of, of 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 Zeus. But maybe, you know, as human, we added a lot of uh, imagination, you know, extra details in the stories, and that became the modern day Hercules uh, version. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah. I would I would think too, Latell, that a lot of these heroes and heroines or gods and goddesses are like composites. 
you mm. know, and, uh, but I totally believe that. And, and again, they're extensions of what's in us as humans, right? I mean, this is yeah. the whole point. So, um, I love it. That's fantastic. Another one I would love for you to go into detail with us is Helen, Helen of Troy, <laughs> Helen of well, Troy, baby. Very, you very can't get popular, off. A, yeah. You can't get off Awakening Aphrodite without talking about Helen of Troy. I did a Fast Fridays mini episode on this that we'll put in the show notes for people. Please tell us the story. I want to hear your version, Latau, of Helen of Troy. Yes. Helen is uh, also, she's very complex, I feel. She is, well, you know, considered the most beautiful mortal female in the world uh, back then. Um, she was originally married to the king uh, Menelaus, the king of Sparta. Um, but due to, you know, there's another story, right? The judgment of Paris, right? And that's yes. a whole, at, at a different level, right? So eventually Paris um, chose her. So Aphrodite made sure that she will fall in love with Paris. And so she eloped with Paris to Troy and she kind of abandoned her own husband in Sparta. She went to uh, uh, Troy and according to myth, she actually lived very happily with um, Paris, right? And therefore uh, 10 years and until the Trojan War happened, right? And Troy was completely uh, destroyed um, by uh, the Greek army. Um, of course, Paris also died uh, in the war. And what is what was funny about that was eventually when Menelaus saw Helen again, he was trying to punish her or kill her, right? Strike her down. But what she, she was kind of ticked off. <laughs> yeah, but Helen just dropped her robe, dropped her dress, and she said she became naked again. She said, well, but I still love you. <laughs> Menelaus just... Embrace her. Are you and said, sure okay. you want to kill me now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just you know you know embraced her and said, "Okay, now come back to to uh, to Sparta with me." Right? She pulled out her best weapon. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's her beauty. You know, her sexuality, everything. So we really see Helen as this complex um character, right? So on one side, some people can say, "Oh, you know, she you know abandons her husband to to go to another yeah. another man. You know, she's you know not loyal. You know all that kind of stuff, right?" Mm -hmm. But sometimes I see Helen as so. What's the reason why she was able to do that? Because I don't believe any person was able to do that. She was able to do that, and she was able to somehow find her own pleasure okay find her her happiness and and you know her comfort through being with Paris in Troy and also with uh, Menelaus and mm -hmm. so I think it's all about her knowing who she is she knows she's beautiful and she embraces her own sense of beauty and um, and I think especially I would say for the past two weeks I've got um, clients constantly putting this card out from the deck wow yeah this card has been quite prominent for, during the past two weeks what a coincidence and i brought it up yeah 100 percent. yeah so so i feel uh, the the image of helen is really about knowing your own value so she's a little bit like aphrodite right she's like the uh, the mortal aphrodite actually out there because yep. she has the power to seduce um any man that she actually wants to be with and she can be happy with them um but when things change when paris passed away and she's also you know she moves on to you know to menelaus and because she knows who she is and so, you know, sometimes we also learn things about Helen is like sometimes when we look at 
our own relationships and life. It's not encouraging us to be not loyal to our partners and things like that. But it's more about when you, before we even talk about um, relationships, do you think you are beautiful? Do you think you have a Helen in you? And how much do you love yourself? And also, are you comfortable with your own sexual being, right? Because the keyword of Helen is sexuality, right? I've seen a lot of clients um, having blockages in that sense, right? Maybe um, in career, they are ultra confident, right? They are, uh, you know, they're achiever, right? But when it comes to dealing with a romantic partner, they are not confident. They are mm. extremely insecure on the other side of the spectrum. And so, and a lot to, is to deal with maybe deep down, they don't think that they're valuable or they don't think they're sexy. They don't think they're beautiful in that sense. I think Helen could be a very good a mythological character to learn from. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, in your, in your view, Matt, then they're pulling that card because that could mean what, Latel? Like uh, their inner Helen is saying, you need to give me a little more attention to cultivate this more in you. Yeah. And also just feeling comfortable with what we are given to this okay. world. I yeah. mean, if we want to do the fault finding, we can find anything that we don't like about ourselves, I think. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we just kind of go out there and say, oh, I'm perfect. Right. Oh, I'm a, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 10, you know, well, of course, you know, we know that, you know, none of us are 10 actually, well, unless you're a supermodel. But for me, it's a little bit about, but, you know, there are always, um, you know, ways to improve ourselves, but you have to really be comfortable with, with, with what you are. And that's the first the step before we even talk about how we, uh, how we love someone else. Helen is very good at doing that, I think. Yes, yes, yes. And again, that back to our original discussion of these are about the attributes that are within us that we can draw out, you know, that's what we got to remember. Um, you also mentioned, I never heard anyone talk about Helena Troy as the power of choice. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit? She, you know, she represents the feminine power, obviously, but you, you mentioned how, you know, you feel that she represents our power to choose. This is very important. Well, because at the end of the day, right, when we look at, you know, all these events in Helen's life, um, most of them are her own choice. She chose yeah. to do those things because she, like what I said, because she knows um, who she is. Uh, she was not forced into marrying anyone. She was not being forced. Some people, you know, in some version of the myths, they say um, um, Helen was abducted by Paris. Mm. Um, but also there are other myths saying that she willingly eloped with, um, with Paris. And also the thing is, you know, if she was really, you know, against her will right let's say paris abducted her how did she live happily in troy for the 10 years right so you know she could have run away she could have um let's say struggled right with paris she could have you know you know pointed um you know uh, uh at paris with a knife and say don't you dare touch me but she enjoyed actually her life with paris well she fell in love with him right i mean 100 percent, right so you know in Helen's life, you, you never see suffering there. Yeah. She was never really suffering. She chose to do these things because, again, she knows who she is and she knows what she can enjoy. And that's what I mean by the so-called choice. Yeah. Because so we because so in our life, we are also allowed to choose uh, what what makes us feel good. And mm -hmm. the thing is, can we overcome that psychological hurdle to really choose that? 
I think another very interesting teaching lesson component of the story of Helen and Troy is that, you know, in those days, women weren't allowed to choose anything. You know, they mm. were they were married off. You know, uh, people had classes and, you know, expectations and roles. And there were, you know, we got to remember, this is not modernity. You know, women yeah. had, this is what you happen. It doesn't matter what you want, who you love, whatever. So there was no power of choice. There was no choice for really anybody, men as well. And for her, to me, again, if we zoom out, a lesson can be a woman might, okay, so she's the ultimate in in mortal feminine beauty, which is why Aphrodite loved her more than any other, other goddesses did because she represented the ultimate for the female form in the, in the mortal world. But most okay, so she most women are are not gonna think, oh, I'm so unbelievably, breathtakingly, irresistibly beautiful and I captivate everybody that I get get what I want all the time. Like, you know, most mm. of us, mere mortals, are not living that experience. So how do we extrapolate this to ourselves? So what what it tells me is that Helen owned her innate gifts. She was gifted to be absolutely breathtakingly the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah. And she leaned into it, Latau. She right. leaned into that gift. So for everyone listening and watching, what that tells me is for us, and you mentioned she knew herself, which yeah. is basically what you're saying. So for us to really get clear on who we are, what our innate gifts are, whatever they are, it could yeah. be, I'm really good at making beds. I don't know. It doesn't have to be anything sexy and extravagant. It right. can be just knowing what is it where I really shine and then leaning into those gifts and choosing our lives along cultivating and utilizing those gifts and watching the doors open. To me, that's what Helena Troy can teach us as well. hundred percent. I, that, I uh, absolutely agree with you on that. Um, especially, I think, you know, a lot of us don't really get to know our gift, um, especially when we're younger, right? It's very rare to have someone, you know, uh, there telling us, oh, I think, you know, you're very good at doing this. You should do, you know, do this and things that we we don't really hear that, especially, Mm -hmm. I don't know about, you know, your family, but, you know, especially, you know, for someone like me who grew up in a very traditional Chinese family, your parents never tell you that. I don't know if you know much about, you know, Chinese culture. Um, our parents, they're the way for them to show they love us is to cook us a nice meal. And that's it. Wow. You will never hear. We, we, our parents never tell us that they love us, actually. Aww. So that's why. So that's, that's why sad. we don't. It, it's very, un, to be honest, it's actually uncomfortable. I think, you know, if you're all, if you have any uh, audience, you know, of Chinese descent, right? You know, and I believe that they will understand this. It's very rare for a Chinese mother to say, I love you. It's oh, it's so wow. weird for me to imagine my mother saying that. It's just so bizarre and it's so uncomfortable. But we know they 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 love us, right? So by demonstrating like actions. Yes, but they never say it. And that's a and that's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing, hundred percent. How about a physical affection, Latau? Depends on the parents, to be honest, but, you know, it's very, also, I think it's very rare for a Chinese parent to, you know, somehow hug you every day and, you know, it's, no, 
at least you know when I was um a teenager, you know, in high school, I can't really even remember. Actually, now my mother hugged me more often compared to when I was a when I was a kid. To be honest, how do you think that upbringing, uh, both in your family and the culture at large in China, uh, influenced your your work in mythology and astrology? Um, to be honest, um. Mythology was not really a, a part of my childhood at all. Um, yeah. My parents were very traditional and, yeah. you know, especially Greek mythology, right? If they're not Chinese mythologies, right? Even, you know, let's say kids who are interested in Chinese mythology, let, let's say the monkey king, right? You know, journey to the West, you know, those things. Um, you only get to read them when you are really young. Let's say you are four yeah. or five, six years old. But once you start school, um, all these things need to be thrown out of the window. <laughs> because... Yeah. You know, traditionally speaking, either, you know, Chinese parents, they want you to study math, they want you to study science, they want you to go to your piano lessons and all that kind of stuff, right? And so... Sounds like our parents. <laughs> Sounds the uh, same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get serious. Come on. You're going to get a real job. I heard that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, you know, also it took me many, many years to be able to really tell my parents what I'm doing as a career, right? Oh, boy. As, as, a, as a spiritual counselor. Because... Uh, How'd that I, go? You know, well, you know, for a long, actually, you know, they didn't say much, but for a long time, they refused to, <laughs> to tell um, their, you know, the family, friends, other family members yeah. and yeah, their friends, um, what I did, because I, mm -hmm. I guess deep down, they felt it was not something that is, I don't know, good enough. You know, oh, it, it wow. doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, you know, like a glamorous job, right? Oh, because I remember my father always wanted me to, you know, because I used to work um, in finance, right? I used to work in a bank in my, um, in my mid twenties. And, uh, you know, you wear a suit every day, you look sharp and you go to work. And uh, for my father, that's a proper job, right? And nice. they can say, oh, my son works for this investment bank. He's making money, blah, 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 right? And it's for parents, right? That's what they, they want to see. But they can't, when you tell them, oh, I read cars for people, you know, for him, it's a little bit, that's shameful. Like, I can't tell people you do that. And so it took them a long time to actually really be okay with it. Um, so that's just what it is. And of course, you know, I was upset for a long time because I felt, why can't you guys just accept this, right? And why can't you just be happy for me? But of course, now everything is fine. Um, it but while. it took a lot. I'll talk took a, yeah it took uh, them a long time to to understand this because they also didn't grow up with this you of know course. they never you know they 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 lived in uh, they were born both of them were born in the 19 early 1950s so they experienced a cultural revolution right you know the all the political upheavals um let's say you know in the 1960s you know the 1970s in China so um they 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 never really um, had let's say the uh, the beautiful childhood um, that you know we think um, they should have. So I don't blame them. I think their reaction it comes from their experience, and that's just what it is. I'm still very I'm actually very grateful that finally you know they can come to terms with what I do now. You know, ultimately it's just that's what they knew, and they just wanted what was best for you, and they were afraid that you weren't going to be okay doing this weird job, you know, like ultimately it's because they loved you, right? It was, their intentions <laughs> yeah. were good. So I just have to ask you though, um, cause this is a very inspiring story in that 
how did you stick to your guns and do it anyway, Latell? Because, you know, I did the same thing in a, in a similar way, went the career path. My dad kind of implied indirectly that I should be doing and not so many words, but absolutely very clear. Trust me, you know, and, you know, cause I was into fitness and this and that too, but that wasn't a real job. You know, you're not going to make any money at that, you know, and what, and some, and I lo- was interested in the theater and, you know, performing. I was a dancer. Needless to say, I got really veered and whatever, but how did you, you know, stick to it in spite of them not approving? I actually didn't tell them for a long time. Um, I started uh, the Heating Kingdom um, back in the uh, late 2014 and the very beginning of 2015. Uh, of course, I didn't tell them. I was still working, um, you know, with my bank job um, during the daytime. And I would see uh, clients um, to do their uh, session, uh, reading sessions um, around, you know, after work you know, from 7 to 10 p.m. and also um, over the weekend. So it was a lot of work, actually. Wow. Uh, yeah. I Literally, I had no um, time for myself. Yeah, And I remember the hardest, the toughest time that I had was back in 2017. There was a, there was a bar, actually, in central Hong Kong. It's actually an, an American bar. They opened their Asian branch yeah, in um uh, in Hong Kong, and their owner found me and said, "You know, um, we would like you to do readings in our bar, um, but you need yeah for our customers, but you need to be here at least three times a week, okay. right? And and you know, bars don't open early; they only right. open like six, seven p.m. Right? Ooh, and yeah. uh, and they close at two p.m. So three times a week, I also have to go there to do readings between eight p.m. and one a.m." And that, Whoa. and that, and and you can imagine, I had a bank job during the daytime, and oh. I had no time to sleep at all. And now, of course, I will never do that again, right? But now, you paid your back, dues. That, yeah, but now thinking back, why I did that, and how I really, you know, just like you know, whatever happened, I'm gonna make this happen, wow. was really because I, I guess, I knew who I was. I wow. knew that this is my path, and you know, even if I die, I'm gonna die as you know, as a spiritual counselor, as a reader, I'm not going to die as a banker. <laughs> and that's I love it. I, that's so inspiring. Yeah. I, I just knew that. Such a great um, lesson. Right. And the, eventually, of course, you know, of course, like what I said, I would never do that again because I kind of destroyed my health around that time. You can imagine working that much and not having enough sleep, you know, not that, that, sleeping. Right? I was just thinking, yeah. So then I realized that I was, and I re- remember I went to my own spiritual teacher at that time because I was so mentally overwhelmed. And of course, you know, as you can imagine, doing readings in a bar is not, sometimes it's not good because you get drunk imagine. people. The energy get, in there too. Yeah. And I, sometimes you meet very um, toxic people too. Let's say sure. I remember I just, I was so devastated that day because um, I was very tired. I already did a lot of readings and I just want to pack my things and leave. And then suddenly a guy came into the, the booth, yeah, my booth with a girl that, you know, because they were, you know, having drinks, you know, uh, outside the booth in the bar. And then they came in, the guy sat down and she just put, you know, um, a few bucks on the table. And she, he said, well, I want you to tell her fortune and tell her that I should be the one she goes home with tonight. And I just said, I'm sorry, sir. I don't want to do this. This, you know, it's just, 
you know, and then I started to question myself, why am I doing this anyway, right? Am I, am I here to entertain these kind of drunk people? Or, you know, it, it was a very difficult time for me. And then eventually, I think the universe was really helping me because I, was, I couldn't make the decision to quit. Because in my mind, I was thinking that if I just last longer, maybe things will get better. You know, maybe there will be better opportunities, right? And I, so I just, I was hesitant. I couldn't quit. And then one day, the, the bar manager said, oh, actually, we're closing down. The business oh, is not wow. doing well. Wow. So you don't need to come here anymore. And my first reaction was, so where am I going to do my readings? <laughs> I yeah. was actually quite upset. But then I, I think I, you know, it took me some time to digest that, right? And I was thinking, this is, you know, this is the universe saving me from this stress, um, and I need to take good care of myself now because I've, I'm not feeling well. You know, I'm so sleep deprived. Um, I need to go back to the center. So, yeah, but. I really wanted to, I was so sure about this past, right? But after, I think starting in mid-2018, that's when I started really to be able to focus on doing that kind of one-to-one -one, uh, consultation in my own studio. And I felt so much better. And plus, you know, you probably logged so many hours of one-on-one -on -one to hone your skills in spite of the crazy environment, you know? So it definitely was worth it in the long run. Um, that's, you know, even a more incredible story now, Latell, because it's very similar to mine. I had a health and lifestyle club in New England and, uh, you know, people loved it. It was a really cool, like personal hybrid. We had Zumba and yoga and workshops on lifestyle. We did healing circles and drum circles. It was really awesome, beautiful community. Yeah. But I was you. I was I was sleep deprived. I was running the ground. I was working seven days a week. I had no life. I mean, yeah. I was just a slave to this establishment and um, everyone else loved it, but it was, wow, what a toll it took on me. But like you, I had to keep it going because I didn't want to close it because people loved it. And yeah. the universe had to step in and do it for me because I was going down. I was going down. It's actually why I actually hired my friend, Paul Chuck, whom I've met mm -hmm. through you, even though we'd been friends for decades prior. I didn't, I didn't, let's just say, work with him personally and hire him to actually help me through this crisis. But I was so mentally, physically, emotionally spent. And it was because of the pandemic when everything closed and we had the lockdown and all that. And then I was like, you know what? As hard as it is and as guilty as I still feel closing this place on people, this is, this is my lifeline. This is my life raft. This is great spirit sending me a lifeboat. Like this is your out, you know? And I was like, yeah, I, I, and that's when I started the podcast and you know, that took another pivot. Yeah. It's, it's like, we only see that in the hindsight, right? So much. I mean, when we were, yeah. When we were experiencing that, we might feel devastated about the situation. Yeah. But and it later was really we, hard. Yeah. I was very ambivalent. I felt so guilty doing it, but and it was just that story of save me or sacrifice. Like, and I kept saying, like, I am not a martyr. Like, I don't have to literally, like, put myself on the cross for everyone else. What about my life? I had no yeah. life, you know? Exactly, and so yeah. it was really helped me realize that I really lack self-love and boundaries to be able to step up for myself, you know, and just be like, this is killing me, everyone. I'm sorry you love it, but... It's not working for me. And that 
great spirit had to step in and pull it, pull it, and uh, it saved me. Yeah, definitely. And when we are not really doing well ourselves, we can't be a good service provider. We can't provide the so-called yeah, the healing, the therapy, because because sure. we haven't even done yeah. that for ourselves yet. Oh, I was going down because at the end of the day, we're all human. You're not yeah. going to keep going. You're not a robot, you know. And I was definitely going down, so it pulled me out right before it was too late, and I was able to. It took me a couple of years to really get myself back. Yeah, you know? good for you, good for you. And, yeah, and every now and then, I still have that tendency, you know, that sacrifice, that martyrdom, and. I don't know. I've heard it's, it can be a woman thing too of, you know, you're nurturing everyone else before yourself. It It's it's hard. I mean, you probably see that with your female clients. Maybe you're male too. Mm. Um, I, it's all about balance, right? It's, it's you know, there's not, no such thing called, okay, sacrifice is a bad thing or we should, we should never sacrifice, right? I think yeah. it's all about the balance. It's about that, that major ar arcana card in tarot is about the, being the temperance. Always having two 14. cups, pouring water. Yeah, exactly, right? And so where do we find that harmony, that inner balance there? A little bit here, a little bit there, and then we are we are good, yeah. But when we are tilted to one side yeah. too much, then we lose our balance, yeah. And that's the thing, using Oracle decks and Tarot, whatever it is that people choose, and I really hope they check out your cards. Um, and that's in the show notes. We're going to talk about that when we get to the end here. But um you know, the cards, when we pull cards for the day, it's like, it, it's kind of almost like, it's not necessarily fate. In my, this is my opinion. Obviously, I want to know what you think. But uh, it's it's not necessarily fate. Uh, it, it, it can be a forecast and it can be like a, a like a gentle, I don't even want to say like a warning, but like, like for your beautiful example of temperance, I'll just admit, okay, I don't like when I pull that card because that means, <laughs> so, yeah, that means to me, and you get a relationship with these cards, as you mentioned at the beginning, you get a personal, your soul will talk to you in a certain way with like, not to get off track, but you know, the tower card 16 is actually a good card for me. Because it always means, yeah, it always means something is going to come in out of nowhere, insight, that lightning bolt is always mm, good mm, for me. And I know it can mm. be a, a trouble card for most people. But I've mm. developed a relationship with my cards that I know, oh, that actually means I'm going to get some really good help from out of nowhere, you know. Mm. Um, you know, so, Interesting. but for mm. temperance, I haven't liked when I pull temperance because it usually <laughs> means I'm doing something out of balance and it's a warning to pull it back. Either I'm mm. drinking too much coffee today. Like it's almost like, okay, don't drink too much coffee today, Amy. Like yeah. something, yeah, something's gonna happen where you have to remember to remember, keep it yeah. in balance or stop working at you know six o'clock and put the computer away and go do something with the dogs. Or, you know, so to me, that's how I use the the Oracle decks. What what do you think about that? I think, well, for example, let's say the temperance, right? For me, the temperance is actually not all about the so-called outward balance, right? So on the surface, of course, this could, I think this could be about, you know, I am uh, doing this too much and I need to do that a little bit more, right? But I really see temperance as something that is really inside here that is balanced. Um, meaning that, let's say, let's say the angel, right? He's having one foot in the water, one foot on the land. And that is, you know, the, the so-called balance of the yin and yang. And I don't think it's purely just about, um, like what I said, your work and, you know, work-life balance, that kind of stuff. But it's more about our, how do we feel about ourselves? How do we feel about, you know, I, am I, um, 
am I embracing too much of my either feminine energy or masculine energy? And what else do I need to you know be aware of that is happening? The chemistry is happening within ourselves, right? So it's about that kind of monitoring, I feel. And of course, you know, when we're going just day by day, we rarely really check that. Um, and that is why a lot of the readers, when they see temperance card, the first thing they will say to their client is, you know, have patience. So what is this patience about? It's about taking the time to really balance that inner chemistry. And that's why things sometimes take time. Usually in a love reading, especially for a single person, if the first card they put out is temperance, this is about that. You can just tell them straightforward, you got to be patient. But deep down, it's not just about sitting there and twinks our thumb and thinking, where's my... Prince Charm, right? But it's more about, okay, but there's something to balance within ourselves. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I just learned a lot. That's very helpful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incorporate that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm curious, no what are some of the most, um, this day and age, uh, some of the most common cards that you're seeing now or with clients? Like you mentioned you, the last two weeks, you've gotten the Hel Helen of Troy a lot. Are there just any mm. cards in, in, your, in your career or particularly as of late, that seem to be coming up a lot, maybe at this time. Uh, you mean in uh, tarot cards or in, in your oracle in, deck? Uh, in my own oracle deck. Yeah, okay. in your oracle deck. Uh, let me see. Uh, I've seen uh, Penelope for sure. That's the name of one of my dogs. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great well, story. Then, Queen Penelope. Yeah, Queen Penelope. Yeah, she uh, she definitely appears a lot in uh, in readings and um, also Orpheus. Okay, can you, as we get toward the end here, maybe we can kind of just, if you could briefly tell us the mythology of those two stories, that might be a great way to wrap up. Sure. So Penelope was the queen of Ithaca, right? And she was mm -hmm. married to um, the famous hero Odysseus. Um, Homer wrote about this story in his book, um, Odyssey, yeah? Iliad and Odyssey, yeah? And, and I love that story because you know, even though the whole story was about Odysseus and his journey, but Penelope was, you know, this amazing, intelligent, and also faithful queen uh, waiting for him in Ithaca. But she was not waiting for him in boredom. She was, um, at the same time, she was very creative. She ruled the country, and she used, you know, very intelligent ways and creative ways to distract her suitors. And so, you know, after, you know, 20 years, you know, when Odysseus came back, the country was prosperous. Everyone was happy. And Penelope was was there as a single, not single woman, but you know what I mean, yeah? Um, she, she was not with anyone else. And she was happily, you know, um, still, you know, uh, waiting for him. And so I think this is a very beautiful story. It's, 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 a, it's a long waiting game, yeah? But at the end of the day... 20 years. It was... 20 years, absolutely. And who could do that, to be honest? And everybody was telling her, you know, he's dead. You know, he went off to war. So everyone's going to think of this like, you know, you're waiting 20 years believing that your husband is still alive and going to come home to you. And people were telling her, no, he left or he's dead or he's with another woman in some other country. You know, and she had perseverance and belief and faith. And I don't know how absolutely. she did that, but she yeah. did. <laughs> And the thing is, you know, in the old days, right, there was no cell phone, there was no, you know, internet, yeah. right? So right. literally 20 years without any contact, not sure, you know, not knowing believing. where he is, what he's doing yet, just believing yeah. that. And, and this is really, oh. you know, that's why the keyword that we put on the card is called faith. Um, and of course, a lot of people associate this word faith with religion, right? But I think it's it goes uh, so much, oh, you no. know, more yeah beyond that, Belief. right? It's about yeah. deep down what you believe. And in the book, I mentioned one thing. I said, um, 
you know, how some people ask, well, how do we, how do I cultivate that sense of faith? And, you know, I th really think that faith is not the absence of fear, but it's our ability to withstand it. Because mm. um, we can always have this fear about, I might not have something, I might lose something, I might miss out on something. And I don't think they are contradictory to our faith. It sounds similar to courage, the definition yeah. of courage, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. We need, yeah. It takes so, courage to have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Penelope, this is, you know, one of my favorite in the female characters in Greek mythology. I admire her so much. <laughs> yes. And she was very smart because she devised that plan to keep her suitors at bay, yep. you know, in the 20 years by weaving the 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 the, the, the kilt or whatever she was making. Yeah. And then at night she'd secretly unweave it. So yeah. it never was finished, which bide her time until her husband came home. So yeah. it, to me, it just, it teaches us how to, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to say, um, I don't know what the word is, Latelle. It's like. I think it's her creativity. Yeah, it's her creative idea. Because nobody taught her that. She created right. all these kind of, you know, yeah. strategies, right? And on her own. And so this is, I think this is about her creative. But um, she couldn't energy. be, she couldn't like directly say, no, I'm not marrying anybody. Everybody leave me alone. I'm waiting for my, like, in that day and age, she couldn't do that. They were going to make her marry someone else. So she really, to your point, had to devise her intelligence and her creativity in her imagination to come up with a plan that people would believe that would bide her some time. Yep. You know, like, so she was able to get what she wanted. So it's a very inspiring story. And it ends beautifully because he comes home and all is good. Yeah, and that is a reason why um, I've associated um, her with a constellation sign of Leo, because I really think that she demonstrated that Leo quality, the creativity, the faith, right? Because Leo is right. a fixed fire sign, right? So it's right. about you know, you know, it's something that you 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 believe in with your your inner passion and your fire, but the fire never goes off. I love it. And the fire is the heart. So that's beautifully perfect. And we talked about courage. So it all goes full circle. All right. And Orpheus, you're seeing Orpheus a lot. What does Orpheus have to teach us? Orpheus is a wounded healer. Um, oh. at, at least that's how I see him. Yeah. Um, Orpheus, he, he's a musician, actually. He was a legendary musician from Greek mythology. Um, but the huge difference between him and other, you know, musicians is because Orpheus didn't play music for the sake of entertainment. He was not an entertainer, but he was a healer. So his music was to heal people's pain. And he, because he was so talented in playing his, um, uh, playing, um, whether you call that a harp or um, a lyre, yeah, L-Y-R-E. Some people say lyre, some people say lyre. I don't know the really the right way to pronounce it, but he's, you know, he's, he's a musical instrument. And um, his music has such healing power that he helped so many people. But the ironic about his story was at the end of the day, he couldn't heal himself. When he lost his wife, Eurydice, um, you know, due to a snake bite, um, he descended into the underworld to face Pluto or Hades in the Greek version. And he asked, asked Hades to give him the wife back. But Hades said, um, you play a song for me. If I like it, I will consider. So he did. And of course, because of his amazing talent, um, he won um, Hades' heart. And Hades said, okay, I will let your wife's soul follow you all the way back to the mortal world, but you cannot look back at her before you reach the sunlight. 
And so Orpheus was war he was walking in the darkness, right? Following the stairs, right? Step by step back to the mortal world. And his wife's soul was actually behind him. So Hades was not lying. Um, but the more Orpheus walked, the more suspicious he grew because he couldn't hear any footsteps behind him. And he was it was just dead silent. So he was thinking. What is, is going there? on? Yeah, is yeah, she she's there? there. Maybe, Boy. maybe Hades lied to me, right? So, mm -hmm. just one step away from uh, from the sunlight, he couldn't control himself. He lost trust, so yeah. he looked back, and uh, that's how he lost Eurydice forever. And he was banned actually from entering the underworld ever again to save her. And so it's you know the ending of the story was quite tragic. But you know sometimes mm -hmm. when I when I see clients putting that card out, it's almost like saying. Because I see the underworld, you know, as our subconscious realm. That's the, yep. the deep and, and the darkness, right, in our in our psychology. And so Worf is not trusting Hades' words deep down. It's about him not trusting his own subconscious, subconsciousness. He couldn't trust his own intuition um, because he let all these kind of insecure thoughts distract him. So the rest of his life, um, he lived his life, continued to, you know, play music and heal people. And as a therapist and as a musician, but he always had this pain in his own heart that he couldn't save his own wife. And in reading sessions, I've seen a lot of people who are healers themselves, who are uh, either counselors or, you know, some of them even work with um, disabled children. Um, you know, they're amazing um, therapists and they're amazing psychologists. Um, and they have helped so many people around them, but there's always that streak of pain or you know let's say their difficult history there um still they're trying to overcome themselves yeah oh my god yes what a great great story and i and, and you know the fact that it, once again it comes back to us cultivating and respecting and having the courage to follow our intuition and developing that connection so key so key without that you have no internal compass and uh yeah, you're just uh, you're just going to be a leaf in the wind, and you know. Uh, yeah, and I and I believe that we all have a little bit of Orpheus in us, really. And, yes. and I, yeah, and I, I really believe that we uh, we all have that the, the so-called painful history that yeah. uh, you know everyone's has their own issues, right? You know, nobody's life is perfect. Uh, but I think for Orpheus, is how, can we really transform that pain into our healing power? Um, if we can't heal other people, can we heal ourselves? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit like that. And I really think the Orpheus story uh, is so important, right? It's, 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 it can, I think, I believe this story can resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like your wound is your wand, right? I mean, that, that is your gift to once you heal that, to then be able to have empathy and compassion to be able to connect um, yeah. with any kind of, power with others because you you've been there you walked it and that's that's the whole point that's your medicine right yeah like yeah, it or not yeah. that's going to be your medicine is your deepest wound so and that's why they're said to be gifts <laughs> because they make us grow like it yeah, or not 100%. growing pains pains growing pains, pains. pains. Yeah, yeah yeah this has been amazing Latel. thank you so much you obviously are just the depth of knowledge i could talk to you all day about myths and stories because I am a believer that they, this is really a key to developing our lives and, 
getting perspective on our life and helping us wrap our brains around, you know, there's so much crazy going on and uncertainty right now. And, yeah, yeah. you know, us, you know, zooming out and just looking at things bigger and to think of things more comprehensively with more imagination, more holistically, very, very powerful stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So where can people find this gorgeous Oracle deck? I love Oracles <laughs> of Mythic Heroes, the guidebook and, right. uh, and your work and to hire you for private counseling for a spiritual reading and astrology reading. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we can find this, uh, my Oracle deck, Oracle of the Mythic Heroes uh, on Amazon. Uh, if you just simply type in Oracle of the Mythic Heroes or you type in my name, Latel Wang, and you will be able to find uh, this Oracle deck easily. Uh, I actually have another uh, Oracle deck coming out this oh. year in June. Yeah. Um, you will also be able to find that under my name. It's called Oracle of the Celestial Deities. Ooh. So, yeah, so this one, the Oracle, uh, the Mythic Heroes is focused on the mortal heroes journey and the heroines, right? And the second Oracle deck is called Celestial Deities. And in that deck, um, I, I talk a lot more about the gods and goddesses, right? So, oh, well, you got to come back on the show. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. So we can, yeah. So we can see that one as a sequel of Oracle of the Mythic Heroes. Like okay. So this one's the mortals. I got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's so the it. second one is uh, yeah. the deities. Yeah. You've got to come back on the show. That'd be great. I got <laughs> I to, I got to pick to your that. brain about that for sure. Yeah. And also people can find, um, I think our audience can find this book. Um, you can, if you just, um, you know, Google this, you can also yeah. find this in, I'm sure in your local uh, retail stores. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen uh, Oracle of the Mystic Heroes in the States in Canada, uh, in Australia, in New Zealand, in UK. So, you know, wherever you are, um, I believe that, you know, if you go to a uh, um, uh, your bookstore, if they carry, you know, mind, body, spirits and, and cars, um, you should be able to find them. Also, you can find this deck of cars on um, my publisher's website, Beyond Words Publishing. Uh, and uh, yeah, and also you can find me uh, to book a personal session uh, at www.thehealingkingdom.com. The Healing Kingdom. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. And that'll be in the show notes, everybody. Wow. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for your contribution to the world. This is such important work. And uh, I am just really, really thrilled to connect with you. I absolutely love I'm putting this on my bookshelf with my other favorite Oracle deck cards. And uh, every time I need to be a little bit inspired, I'm going to go ahead and pull it out. I love it. Thank you so much, Amy. Um, it's such an honor for me to to be on this show with you to talk about the myth. And I also, um, I've learned a lot from you as well. And I can see a lot of the, uh, the, the similar journeys that we have, um, we have, you know, uh, gone through. And I look forward to talking to you again in your podcast next time. Thank you. You know, isn't it amazing? Like, I feel the same way. Like, you're, the stories that you're saying, I'm like, that happened to me too. Like, this is incredible. <laughs> like, really, it's like two paths are like, you know, parallel is just really, really cool. I love when stuff like that happens. Yeah. So we really can, uh, uh, you know, um, understand each other at a deeper level because we have very similar paths. So um, I love it. Yeah. And uh, you, you promise now I got it on record. You're going to come back when you're, when your deck is out. So reach out to me and we'll, we'll get you back on the show. Share awesome. that with everybody. Awesome. And uh, don't forget guys, that's all in the show notes. Love it so much. Check out, um, my YouTube channel 
at Awakening Aphrodite Podcast Fit Amy TV. If you want to see, as we were showing, you know, the cards and the deck and everything during this recording, um, if that's convenient for you, you can check that out. And uh, all right, everyone. Well, enjoy your mythical journey. And uh, we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also fitamytv. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.